Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, welcome to the Horse Hour podcast. I'm Amy Stevenson. We have a great guest today. His name's Rob Lease. And if you've ever wondered what it's like to be on a horse in a movie, then Rob's worked on films like Robin Hood, Warhorse, BBC's Merlin, as well as many others. He's learned his techniques being in Australia, and what's fascinating is his view on problems with horses and how he comes up with solutions. It's a view I haven't heard before, and I'm sure you'll find fascinating. Plus, he gives us some advice on if you've got issues loading your horse, any problems that you might face. Rob's here to help us out. I hope you enjoy listening to Rob share some of his stories and his experiences. This is Horse Hour. Welcome to the Horse Hour podcast. We've got a little bit of a superstar with us today. His name's Rob Lease. You will know him from Robin Hood and War Horse. He got to be the really cool guy that rides the horses in, in the mega movies. Rob, how are you? Hiya. How are you doing? You are like every guy's dream. When we talk to men and they, they talk about going horse riding, they forget about the whole behaviour and starting from the beginning. And they're like, I want to be a stuntman because that's cool. Yeah, being a stuntman would be cool. I, I, I'm, I work in the the horse department so we do get onto some stunts but we're not stunt men on we're actually stunt men. The stunt men do many different uh, jobs but mainly we're the horse department that work on all the horse scenes in most films that are out at the moment. So being part of the horse department then is you're making sure, I'm guessing, that the horses are well cared for, um, that they're not overworked. Yes, and um, riding in scenes, uh, fight scenes. We're still in. We are still in the action, but we just won't. We wouldn't be doing all the the, the falls as much. And uh, but we also we're still galloping past all fires, fighting on horseback. Yes. So what did you do in Warhorse? Warhorse, there's a battle that we come up to the machine gun and we all get shot and we're on the floor as well. So, yeah, a lot of horses got shot going up into the woods there. So there was a machine gun at the at the top. That must be quite... I mean, you've been doing this a long time, haven't you? Yeah, started in, um, I think, 2009. Robin Hood was the first film that we did and a lot of fight scenes in that, galloping in and uh, through fire and all, all sorts going on there. Uh, yeah, 2009 that was, and that that came out 2010, and then from there, progression progression wise, I got another phone call and went off and did Merlin for the BBC, which was I did three years on that, and I did Bradley James's uh, body double. Oh wow! For the, all the riding scenes uh, that he did for 
I think it's about two to two seasons, two to two to three seasons. Uh, that was great. Well, that that's uh, the best. That's the best way, isn't it? Because you get to be in the movies, you get to have yep. fun with your horses, but you don't have all the stress of being famous and paparazzied and and all that kind of. You're you're anonymous, which is nice. Yeah, I mean, it is great. I I, I did do a movie that came out last year that actually got a bit of acting in. Which was great. What, um, what was that called? It's a it's a B rated movie, but it was called In the Name of Ben Hur, which mm-hmm. I play a character called Dio, which I actually got to do my own fight scenes um, in the movie on on the horseback and off the horseback, and I played different characters as a body double as well on that. So I was very busy, so I had to act, ride, do some former stunts with with whips. Um, which was great for this B-rated movie. It was really, really good job. It sounds like the best job in the world. You get to ride, have fun with horses all day. And uh, can you remember, what, what, what were your scenes? What did you have to say? Did you have words? Yeah, I did have words. <laughs> um, what was they? Uh, just trying to think. There was... Um, now, come on, you've got to do it properly. Do it Do it in the... As though you were on set. <laughs> oh, you just chucked it straight at me. All right, okay. Um, there's a fight scene where I... I whip one of the ladies off the horse and then I, um, I stab her with a, a spear. Oh. And then I say, if you want her to live, we want Ben, her, not this other character. And it's just, you have to watch the movie because it's really hard to just put it all out. <laughs> in front of it. It's just such a while ago now. But basically, I, I stab her. I, I, I stab the lady um, and I'm, I want Ben, her. I don't want any of anyone else because they're not important. Oh, no. See, there was me thinking, you when you said I'm going to whip the lady off the horse, I was thinking, oh, it's going to be amazing. And then he's going to kiss her and it will be just lovely. But no, you no, stab her, Rob. That's correct. <laughs> I'm a complete thug in it. And I, uh, I, I just rip her off the horse and uh, basically tell her. We, we want Ben-Hur, if not, I'm going to kill you all, basically. <laughs> well, this is the, the movie stuff that you do is kind of on the sideline to your everyday learning, building behaviour with horses, isn't it? Yes. Um, that, well, that's how I first started, uh, how I got into the sort of film side was uh, uh, through sports, really. And, and someone saw me ride uh, riding a bit of a joust at one of the shows and they said, oh, We'll we'll give him a call one day, and uh, if we've got a movie coming up, and we'll see if he can come ride for us. And that's how I got on. They they saw me ride at a show, it was a county show, and they went right. We'll we'll take that fella on and uh, and see if he can come and do some stuff. And then from then onwards, you just got a phone call, a phone call, a phone call all the time. And uh, you, you you're out working every day, and I don't until I come back and wanted to carry on with my own work. How, why? What made you not want to do the movie stuff so much? Um it is long hours mm. uh, it, it's great i do i do enjoy it but it is long hours for us as people because okay the horses has not got as long hours as as us at all but you've got to get up in the morning make sure everything's packed in the lorry or if if you're going straight from where you are you've still got to make a journey it might be miles away you might get a call the horses have been there for a couple of days anyway they've already settled it's in the stables but you might get a, a phone call well you need to go up there for that weekend or that week and you might be leaving at three, four o'clock in the morning to get up there. Mm. And it's quite short notice um, you, as, uh, for the riders. We get quite short notice to, to go and do these things. Well, I can't give you much sympathy, Rob, if I'm honest, because it <laughs> sounds it sounds far too exciting. And, and it, it there are lots good. there are lots of grooms that get up at five o'clock in the morning, have to travel and they don't <laughs> even have the fun of being in a movie. But um, I do get that it's hard work and we don't we don't see the hard work. We just see the, the final thing. So, well, the, the, it's, it's good fun don't get me wrong it's it's great fun and it's a it's brilliant to do 
but there, you, you do get some long hours. You just get tired. You get mm. very sleepy. So well, yeah. I mean, I, I you know I get tired after riding for three hours, let alone <laughs> having to ride for fifteen. No wonder. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So I guess that the nice thing is, though, well, well, the first thing is you're not reading, you're not riding your own horses, are you? You're riding other people's. Yeah, different companies' horses. Um, uh, the, the the main company I've been riding for at the moment is the Devil's Horseman. They are a great company to work for. Uh, I've really enjoyed working for them, and I've done, I've been working for them for a long time now, actually, on off and on. The last couple of years, more so. Last two years. Now, the Devil's Horsemen are the gorgeous men that you get at shows that get every lady hot under the collar, and <laughs> they drag their husbands and their partners to these county shows, saying it's all about the horses. It's never about the horses. It's always about the Devil's Horsemen. That's what we go to watch. <laughs> Yeah, they are they are great. They're great. Um, they're great showmen, and they're also great in in with the films. They're good horses as well. It's great when you when you get a phone call from the, from this company, you you know that you're going to have a good time going out filming because the horses are great, very well trained. So they do films as well. Then it's not just the displays that we see at the big shows. No, the Devil's Horsemen are one of the biggest companies, I would say. So far, riding for them has been brilliant. Amazing. Is it tough sometimes because you don't get to choose what horse you're on? I, I, I guess part of you is you trust those horses already. You know they're really, really well trained. But the other part is, oh, I could be on a crazy one today. Well, not not for the filming so much because my, my work is literally I'm always riding horses that could potentially hurt me mm. so when i'm riding for a company like the devil's horseman those horses are bulletproof you just get on them you can go and do anything i did a parade with them in london and um i was surprised i thought well maybe something may may uh, spark them off or something but no they had all these runners running up and down all the noises a band going big bangs big noises in, in the middle of london and these horses didn't flinch they were just straight down the line great that's amazing and, Quite a lot of horses that day for that parade. That's like our dream horse. A bomb-proof horse is everything that we aspire to have our horses to be like. But that's what you train, isn't it? You you have your own company doing horsemanship too. Is it natural horsemanship? Yeah. Um, I wouldn't really call it that because where I went, I went to New Zealand and I travelled um, travelled a lot of New Zealand and Australia, and we didn't really call it that at all over there. Uh, they had certain horses that they used especially in Australia, but um, in New Zealand we had uh, certain things we had to do with those horses. There's a lot of land out there. Hmm. So you have to be one-handed. So it's like a Western horsemanship in a way, but it's modified and made so we can try and bring the, what we what we do to every discipline. So it's not so much the natural horsemanship part. It's little bits of everybody's knowledge put together um, from everything to just – be be the be-, be the best that I can put together, really. So it's not just it's different trainers' methods. If you've got something good, I'll steal it. <laughs> it's the Rob Lee's way. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, there's there's so many ways out there, but there's there's about three or four different ways to catch a horse. Maybe even more actually. Uh, there's, there's loads actually. And uh, I saw one the other day, and I thought, well, that was quite quite an easy way of doing it. And I thought, well. It is bringing the skill level down, but I still that because what's happening now is that people, they have nine to five jobs mm. and they don't have the time to 
go out there and uh, just learn something like lassoing for example they just don't have the time to use a rope or a lasso so can you work a different way and catch a horse an easier way that's wild without with making it more english and we live we, we've got stables here not barns so um some horses are in state i've got one tomorrow to do it's in a stable and you can't get anywhere near it so is there an easier way so the client can actually have some homework and do so any, any anything i see i'm always trying to modify it to make a make it better for for the owner and easier to understand if it's hard for the owner then they're not going to do it so it's got to be tr- got to be easier each time so i'm always looking for easier ways i like that we i guess we haven't really got a reason to lasso a horse though have we i'd love to see it done yeah like that's the first thing i got taught when i when i was out there it's lassoing and i start looking at lasso and i was thinking well there must be an easier way it's great don't get me wrong because if you do it properly but the skill set in the lasso i've had ladies have a go just chucking it around even lads having a go and they get tied up with it and, and <laughs> it's all over the place so i'm like no that's not happening so there's an now there's another way um that we do to to catch wild horses that will make it so much easier and so much easier for the person to not create any drama and m- make it more safe for them so they'd go out and do it every day so the horse is easier to record and spends that time with them so what well um, i really want to ask you what is the technique <laughs> I, I can't really show you the technique um, <laughs> on here or say but there's just it's just an easier way of doing it when I mean, you've had a couple of lessons and with me maybe then I'll, yeah. then I'll... <laughs> because my mother my, my next question is where would there be wild horses that they would need to learn how to kind of catch a wild horse funny you say that on my facebook uh, if you have if you have a little scroll down you'll see uh, a, a load of cobs on there uh, gypsy type cobs that have been um, they, they got abandoned on one of the parks down in Ox, oxford it was tame tame and uh, I got a phone call from the police uh, to go and round them up. And they were in 50 acres um, on the parkland, which was about to, next couple of days, was about to go underwater because it was near the river. So we had, we had to go and get them off. So there was th- different ways that we had to catch them and get them into, get the vet down and get them into the pens and get them gone. So sometimes um, I, I do a bit of charity work here and there as well. Gosh, did you, did you catch them individually or did you catch them as a herd? Uh, well it was seven stallions and they actually split so when we when we got out there they would split into fours sorry Mm -hmm. yeah there was there's a seven i think they started at 10 i think they went down to seven so three three split off and um four stayed together so it was a bit difficult so we had to make two two areas for them to to catch them in because they weren't they weren't sticking together but as they were getting older they were starting to separate a little bit Mm. and did you take your horses in with you or were you on foot Unfortunately, we can. I was on foot because we couldn't even get anything, any equipment in there at all to catch them. No quads, no, no, no machinery at all. So it was all done on foot. And what what made it hard was there was a, a forest in the middle, which they kept grouping and running into the forest, and there was no nothing around them. And, but these horses don't respect fencing. They'll climb over it. They'll go through it. That there's nothing you can do really fence wise unless you're going to, you know, 50 acres is a lot to fence in two days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was holes everywhere where these horses could just escape, and they were they, they were very fast. And yeah, we got the job done in that day. But they had already failed um, two weeks prior. They did it every day for two weeks apparently, and they failed every day. Uh, give us a call, and we got them in that day. But it was very difficult. 
That's amazing. A very similar incident happened in Dorset about three years ago. Um, but there were horses, uh, it was 20, 20, 21 horses um, that were that were stranded on a flooded kind of plain. Yeah. And it took a month to get them off. A month. Yeah. And I'm like, come on. Like we, we, there, were, there were a few of us that were there to help. And I think um, it was difficult because... It, uh, it was difficult because the great guys that were trying to help there that were running it didn't actually know too much about what they were doing and they were chasing the horses away rather than trying to round them up and bring them in and sadly they wouldn't listen to silly old little local equestrians that apparently didn't have a clue about horses um but i said to them at the time you know there's people we must be able to call that can go on go in and, and get them and my initial thought was I remember this video of it was in was it in Norway um, where these five people were on horseback. These it was flooded and over a hundred horses were stranded on an island. So they took their five horses, they marched on into the island, and they herded a hundred horses out, and they all went out in twos. It was amazing. This long. Have you seen the? Have you seen it on YouTube? I, I've not. I've not seen it. Um, but that. The best thing when you when you've got anything like that is a, a decent sit down and have a good chat, give everyone a job. Um, if you're going to be catching that amount of horses, um, the worst thing is you just turn up. Everyone's got their own idea. That's never going to work. You need to sit down, make a good plan. One person say like which is the best plan to go to, and and stick with that. You you're more likely going to win that way. But when you turn up with seven eight ladies and a couple of lads that are husbands and they've all got their own agenda. It's never going to work. You choose one way and you'll get the job done at some time. We were very lucky. There were some great charities there uh, and we got them rescued in the end. This video, I have to send it to you, is absolutely fascinating because the the theory is that horses are herd animals. They follow other horses. Yeah, Definitely, definitely uh, does happen. Like when we was in, when I was in New Zealand, we used to round them up with horses, and and Australia used to round them up with horses, and it was great fun, and and it's a lot easier too. I like to have a couple of horses if it's <laughs> doing that job, and we used to do it with the sheep too. Bring the sheep down. Used to use the horses. I heard that some of the places in New Zealand, it can take you two weeks to get round the whole farm because it's so big. Uh, I think there's more, more, more Australia. Oh, is it? Yeah, more Australia. New Zealand's not as big as Australia, but it's still, it's still, it's, it's long, but uh, it's a, uh, it's a lovely place. Um, definitely recommend. It. Well, I was living in the North Island, but I travelled the North and South, working from all the way down to uh, Dunedin up. And, and so, did you go over there to learn how to handle horses? Yeah, basically, what happened was um, my family. We got we got over fifty horses. My family have. Um, and we always have at any time since I was a kid, we had, we had about, I think 52 cobs when I was about 12, 13. So my family went over and rescued a load from, um, I think Bilf Wales show, um, Bilf, well, not the show, but the Bilf Wales market that was there and they bought a load of cobs, cobs back and they just kept taking the lorry back up there, picking them up and we end up having fields full. And slowly we, we backed them and rode them and, 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 and rehomed them and yeah, that it, it was great. But then from cobs, they went on to quarter horses and a couple of thoroughbreds and different breeds coming through there. Um, section A, Section Bs, all sorts went, went through horses to ponies. And, um, how I got to go to New Zealand, um, we had one horse we couldn't get anywhere near. I think it was about three rising four. And we got we had 70 acres, so it was in one of the 25-acre paddocks. And couldn't get anywhere near it. <laughs> this this 
fellow that came over wanting to do some sports with his daughter horses over here just coming over as a trip and uh, he was a horse trainer himself and you know I was I was, I was riding about nine ten horses a day hardcore all the time <laughs> <laughs> and this 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 bloke's turned up friends of um, one of the other lads that were living helping running the uh, the farm at the time he was from Ireland and uh, he was living on the farm and he was one of his friends from New Zealand and uh, he said I'll, uh, I'll I'll catch that horse if you uh uh, if you want me to. So we built him a pen. And ho- in some parts of me, I was like, I wanted to catch the horse, of course, because we wanted to get it done. But other other parts of me saying, I've failed. I didn't really want you to catch that horse. <laughs> and um, he he got it in the pen. And within sort of an hour, he had a, a rope over it. And then, then he had uh, the next day, he had the halter on. And then the, the day three, he was lunging it. Day four, the, the, the saddle was going on and it was quiet. And it, for me, I was just watching and watching, and, and the first hour of going by, and I was like, "Ha, ah, he hasn't, he hasn't quite." <laughs> <it."> <laughs> so, but then he caught it, and uh, everything was sweet. And he come up to me, and, I, and we did take, we actually have a video of that. And he come up and said, um, "You liked what I did there, didn't you?" And I, and I did a little bit of a smirk on my face, and I went, "Yeah, I, I kind of did like that." And I said, "Yeah, I did." And he went, uh, "You can come back with me if you want," and stay on the farm and if you if you want to wow and i was oh, i thought well actually yeah, i will so i went in, i went straight in and um i booked my ticket oh and really <laughs> I, I come i come out and i said yeah i booked my ticket and he went what back home and he went yeah yeah i said i booked it and he went i better tell the wife <laughs> so he had to phone home and tell the wife that i was coming o- i was coming over to live and i stayed over there for i think six seven months for the first time um, I came back, and then their actually their daughter their daughters came back over to carry on the sport with uh, with me. So I was getting trained by the daughters as well because they were trained up by him, and uh, they carried on the training when I was back home. And then I went back over there. I went over there three times, um, backwards and forwards, just following the sun round. Really, God, it's amazing. What What's his name? Uh, Tokri. His name is from New Zealand, and and he is he's worked with horses forever. I'm guessing. Yeah, um, I think he. I think he started off doing a bit of driving on the farm. I, I, I'm just not 100 percent sure, but I think he. I think he started off with doing driving and, you know, working the farm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's always worked the farm with the horses. And then from then onwards, he he went over to Australia to a horse trainer over in Australia that um, that was taught by Tom Dorrance, a big name there for the horse horse training world in the states, uh, by Tom Dorrance and. Um, so it's got Tom Dorrance backgrounds and Bill mm. Dorrance backgrounds to it. So what was it that you liked so much about his style? What did I like? Well, I, I used it because at the time I was playing a lot of mounted games, which is a, which is the pony club games but for the adults at the time. Mm. And I, I saw some of the training methods that could really work for that. And at the time I was a good rider. I, I was, you know, I, I was pretty good, but I was winning here and there. And then I, went over there and within a year it, it did take a little while don't get me wrong as any training did it, take, it took a year and a half two years to see results in my in my horses at home and then within that um we won the four years champions all four years in a row uh, oh. we were un- undefeated uh, we end up going to the world christian games uh we really? won oh my gosh how do i not know this yeah, so it was a, we for the sport we we were doing brilliant. We were just undefeated and um, well uh, world champion at the for the pairs uh, <laughs> with with my team rider D, which he's a a farrier now over in New Zealand. So yeah, and he's given it up. So he's this unbelievable rider, but he's not riding. 
Um, I don't know if he's completely given it up, but just say we're not we're not as quick as we used to be with that sport. <laughs> we, we have to be out running every day, and we don't run as much as but um, we don't run as much as we used to. So there's it, a lot of work goes into that sport. Mm. And a, and a lot, uh, like you're saying, of the behaviour and the relationship that you have with the horses. Correct. Um, but we, we had massive results in it. Uh, uh, we, we were doing so well at one point uh, that we actually gave up because we were we were that far in front that there wasn't anyone challenging us in the end. That we just had to say, look, enough's enough because we're going to shows. We already knew we were winning. So it actually become not. It become a bit sad, really, because <laughs> you know you go to shows going well. There was no one to take us on at that time um and we sort of professionalized it in in the riding side do you reckon there'd be people that could take you on now oh yes yeah, so <laughs> i'll be i'll be slower now but um, <laughs> i'd have to go out running i'm on the wrong side you need to be under 20 for that oh really <laughs> yeah yeah you do um that's a, that's that's a hard sport because you, you're vaulting on horses and the horses are getting uh the horses they're, they're they're quick they're quick they're quick animals and um you're doing you're going as fast as your body can take you i mean there was sometimes you were jumping off them your feet just felt like air it was like walking on water <laughs> before you're just getting back on them it was that quick your balance. i can still i can still do the old vault uh, um i was out in um <laughs> can you? In, in, in in norway and I was vaulting horses in Norway. There's a video on Facebook of me vaulting and I think on YouTube as well. Oh, yeah, you're brilliant with your videos. You, you're putting videos out all the time. But now you've moved on to more horsemanship techniques. So now it's about how to solve problem horses, isn't it? Yeah, like um, through that, like the games gave me this, this sort of the speed and the eye-hand coordination at a uh, fast level. So you get to see things happening before they happen. Because with horses, we all know that when something goes wrong, it happens very quickly. Mm. It's just bang, it happens. So it, it gives you a good eye. But also, you've, you've competed quite high with your horses. And um, so you, you've, create, you've created a bit of a bond with them. And you know what the levels are of each horse. And I've ridden so many that um, it's what it has helped. It's every horse I get on now. You don't get that feeling where you get on a new horse and you think, oh, this feels really weird. I don't get that so much now. I get on a horse and I'm ready to go. And it just feels normal to me. It's just... Um, you it's are not so like, lucky. Yeah, I'm really it's jealous. Like on, <laughs> it's not like getting in a car and going, oh, that feels weird and this feels... No, you get on it and you're straight away you're into it. It's, it doesn't feel like that for me anymore. Well, even a thoroughbred compared to a Frisian, it's got to feel a little bit odd. Oh, it, it, you know it's different, but you don't get that, oh, this feels really... You know that yeah, feeling? Yeah, yeah. You feel smaller and you think, oh, I'm not quite sure about this. No, I don't get that. So, well, hey, let's go. This is something <laughs> a bit finer or, or it's something a bit stockier. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it, it doesn't matter so much now. So your confidence then, you can, you can pretty much ride anything. Uh, yeah, well, as long as it's got four feet, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, please tell me, how do you get to that stage? Because my confidence is shocking. I can't get on anything and ride it. I'm, I'm nervous most of the time, to be honest. Well, that's that's actually that's a good thing to say to ask. Really, um, the main thing is because I'm training them my technique, um, and working them with, working them all the time to how I would like them to go. That's part of it because they're actually you know, working with them. I know I, I, when I get on a horse, I always if it's not mine, I always ride it how it already rides. Mm. But when I'm making a horse and backing a horse. I'm creating it to to be molded to me, and we're building up a relationship as we go. So we don't really have this uh, confidence problem. But I'm doing that, but it's not working. 
<laughs> so I'm building. We're, we're trying to go through this, me and Blackjack, trying to go through this journey together. And it's been yep. an eventful journey, Rob, I'll be honest. You know, we've, we've had ups, we've had downs. We've had, um, he's been retired because uh, he had an injury. He's come back into work. And so now we're going back through the learning process. It's just he's a little bit older. Um, my confidence is really bad. Although, to be fair, I have built up quite well. I'm, I'm getting better. And his yep. confidence is getting better, but it takes so long. You have to have so much patience, which is fine. But there are a lot of spooks, a lot of turns, a lot of scary flapping bags around and the wind and the rain. And the. it would be so lovely to just get on a horse and, and not have any worries. So how do we get our horses to that level? Well, it's, there, there is a lot of training and you have, to, you have to come up with the idea. You have to think, right, okay. My horse is worried about all these issues. Um, let's go out and face those issues straight away. Like for me, wind. Everyone puts their horses away <laughs> when it's a bit of wind. Mm-hmm. Me, I'm like, okay, I don't enjoy it. Don't get, don't get me wrong because it's, it's cold or, or whatever. I put another, another jacket on and I'm out there with the horse in the wind. It shouldn't, the horse shouldn't know any different if you've got the confidence to push them through those things. So when I'm training the young horse mm-hmm. – I'm like, there's wind. We're going to go and tackle. I'll be out there in a storm. I will be, um, if if you know, if the horse has got an issue, and I'll be out there working it through that. And we, we, we'll come out, come out on the sunny day. <laughs> come, we'll come out, come out, and it will be sunny. Well, I've been determined to not be a fair weather rider, and we did go out in the wind and rain the other day because I thought, well, he, the only way he's like you said, the only way he's going to get used to it is if if we go through it. But it was hairy. It was. It was quite scary at times because I've got to be good enough to be able to get him through those tough times too. Yeah, um, that is true. I don't recommend people go out there and jump on them and ride them through the wind and, and rain <laughs> if they haven't got any confidence uh, about doing so. But uh, you shouldn't be you shouldn't be dodging the weather if you've got a, a horse that you know needs training. You, especially for trainers, you should be going right. Okay, let's drive through that. If this if this bad weather or if there's this or that, you've just got to go through it and get the confidence up on them. Mm. Um, if if you aren't confident, then probably ask somebody that is confident to take them through those stages. Yeah, I do have a lovely girl that's really confident. So she rides in three times a week so that he doesn't pick up any bad habits from me because they say horses are like their owners and I'm slightly eccentric and crazy. So I don't really want him to be like that. Yeah, no, that, that's that's a good thing to, to talk about, really, because we have um, there's some horses that I get on. I'll get a phone call and they'll say he's not doing this. He's not doing that. And you, you look at it and you start working out what's going on and actually you get on and ride them and they're like electric in the hands for the first five ten minutes and they feel like they're going to spook every time and you think where's this coming from and it catches you sometimes and you go what, what, what are we jumping at and there's nothing here <laughs> and it's because the person's been riding it and a lot of it is they've, they've ridden behind the movement and they've got themselves a little bit off balance when there is a spook or and they haven't corrected the spook or or they've just got off when there's a problem every single time and the horse starts to get a bit nervous itself and doesn't have the confidence and then it creates this electric through the hat, through the reins, and you get on them, and I get it all the time, and I think, oh, that there's a lot of bite in those reins, and it's getting a bit worried all the time, and it's just it's a bit like a shake. You might not even see it. You wouldn't be able to see it to the eye, but you can feel it through the hands mm. um, and through the saddle, of course. You, you feel every shake in them. Um, and it's trying to get them back, and I do 10, 15, minute, 15 minutes on the horse, and the horse is back to where it was square one, but then it's about explaining this to the client and saying, look, you know, this is what's actually happening. It's not that you've got a bad horse. Actually, so-and-so sold you a good horse. And what's happened is over time, your confidence has been lacking. And then the horse 
as as um responded like this because you haven't got the confidence to push him past something now some horses are very smart and uh, if they're not worried they'll just turn around and go home and they'll and, and and take the mickey some way other horses that are still good may actually just pick up on that and get scared and uh-huh. an owner may have sold that horse and actually the new owner has accidentally put this on on the horse and um it's trying to find when you, when I'm when I go out this way, I use I do consultations. I'll go out, I'll check the facilities, check the owner, check the horse, and it may need, it may be t- it may be need even two times for me to uh, to suss out everything that's going on there. But normally on the first first run of a consultation, um, I figured out what kind of owner she is or he is, what 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 kind of problems it's been going through. Because sometimes it's well ninety percent of the time it's not actually the horse. Mm. Uh, it's the owner who has said he doesn't do this, he doesn't do that. He's, he, I'm worried to ride him because he spooks all the time. He's scared of this, he's scared of that. You get on him and you're like, oh, right, I can feel that in the first 15, 20 minutes. But actually, he's come down and he's quite nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's going on? And people, um, clients uh, or people get on to, into horses for so many different reasons. And you've got to figure out why did they get into horses. And sometimes you'll find and follow through their background that they bought a horse and it might be that actually their relationship isn't going very well. So there's more to it in my work than just. Yes. Yes. They're look, yeah. They need that. They want that love. They want that. Um, yeah. And they want that affection back, which means that I guess psychologically they could, they could feel quite rejected if the horse isn't doing what they've asked. They're asking it to do. Well, many, many, many different things you'll come across. Um, you might have that husband and wife aren't getting on. She's bought a horse and she just wants to be away from him and she's putting it all <laughs> on that horse. <laughs> but she's also nervous. So she's, and there's lots of things and pieces of the puzzles to put together. And, and as a trainer, you will get everything comes out with us because you, you can see it. You can see if, if that owner's had a bad day at work or they don't even want to be at that job anymore, it all come out and they, they come up, they come after work or come after whatever they've been doing during the day. And if they've had a bad day, they'll put it all on their horse mm. you can see you start putting things together and sometimes it's not always um it's not always what it cracks up to be it might not even be a training thing it might be sitting down and just talking to them and saying what's going on here you know because this has progressed from being a good horse because you've shown me it's a good horse so the other owners said it's a good horse and what's happened is this has happened and all this blame has come out but really there's just some truth behind it i mean that's just one one thing that's happened over uh, well one thing that's happened over a couple of times over over over, over time but it's it's many different reasons why the horse can be having problems so are you a counselor as well then well, that's it. I mean, <laughs> you do actually get to that stage. And I mean, I've had people ring me up at two o'clock in the morning and three o'clock in the morning. Rob, Rob, I just needed to talk to you. Like, and you oh. answer? Well, sometimes you do because you think, oh, maybe somebody's hurt themselves or mm. a family member and you, you, you wake up, oh, hello. And <laughs> it, I just needed to ask you a question. And you're like, what's the question? Um, do, you, do you think it'd be right to take my horse out tomorrow? And you're like, <laughs> that would be me okay granted i wouldn't call you at two o'clock in the morning but i i I do because i like to check and and ultimately it's nice that they they look to you for that kind of safety net you're like that parent holding their hand and they want to do it 
I say they, okay, I can only talk from my personal experience, but I want to know that I'm doing okay and I'm learning and I'm listening and I'm taking on board everything that you say, but you're, you, you know, I as a rider, I'm learning, I don't know. So sometimes we just need that, that extra check. Granted, I wouldn't phone at two o'clock in the morning. These <laughs> <laughs> people don't phone at that time. <laughs> Unless there's a real accident or a, there's, there's something that really needs to be said. But there's many reasons. I mean, that, that if you just get down to the loading, um, the loading itself, loading is a big one across any trainer that does horse, horsemanship styles. Um, is a, is loading difficult. Now, loading difficult is so many different reasons for loading. Um, I can name a couple of them. Go on, talk me through some. <laughs> okay, so uh, they they buy a horse for the daughter. Uh, this is this, this just can be a case. The horse is uh, not loading anymore. It's laying down, or it's just laying down in the trailer, or there's there's some problem. You go there, you jump in the back, and you shouldn't really get in the back with them. But you ask them to take you for a spin once you get the horse in there, and you figure out actually the horse is just doing the very very clever thing. Every time there's a bend that turns up, they just sit down, and because they're going to fall over. Now, you, you start to realize that people haven't actually taken a course in how to drive horses in a trailer. And when you come up to a junction, you should stop and then go round. But they think that going round around about really fast is a smoother experience for a horse or to cut the corner in a uh, junction just to make it smoother. No. And, and then uh, a sharp bend, they think they're going to be driving nice and smooth at a certain speed and they just do that. Well, the horse doesn't know and off they go. They... They need to learn how to drive uh, horses. It's not mm. the same as just driving a trailer empty. It's they've got four feet, and you have to realise. And that's just one case. And then they re- think, why is the horse not not loading? Well, there's the reason. Um, normally, the reason why a horse won't go on the ramp is there's something in front of it that's stopping it. Um, and people go, well, you know, it's fine going out of the field. It walks everywhere else. But as soon as I put it up to the ramp, it will stop. It doesn't want to go on. And that, that could be down to many things. Fitness is a, is a massive one for me. Um, and people go, what do you mean fitness? Well, is your, has your horse, has your, well, last time you traveled it out, you took it, you, t- you put it on the trailer, it traveled an hour or two on the trailer. I traveled an hour or two to get home. But then you worked it at the competition and show it's a green horse and it's really, really tired. That's when I get a phone call and say they're stuck at the show because the horse just goes, I just can't do anymore. Oh, and really? If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. And it just shuts down. But the people don't understand this, that these things happen. I mean, that's just another one. Uh, that's just another very common one for green horses, where instead of taking them to the show and let them see everything, and then put them back on later on, they, they get a better result. Mm. Not, not, not working them really, really hard. Um, there's, there's, and, and also, as you say, fair weather riders that will only go 20 minutes down the road once in a blue moon. <laughs> now, that <laughs> horse goes out, it's very, very tired, and that's what we call a sticky loader. And the sticky loaders are horses that have travelled only 10 to 20 minutes to the local shows, and you get a lot of that. And um, the, they just go, I don't really want to go because when I get on there... I go do two hours worth of work or a day day out in. Mm-hmm. I'm not really. They're not fit enough, and then they're not ready for or ready for this. So that's that's another one. So lo- so how do we how do we overcome a sticky loader then? Because we don't want to go out for. Well, yeah, it would be lovely to go on holidays and things, but truth is, I don't have time to take my horse for holidays. I don't even get a holiday. You know, my time is spent taking my horse out for the day. But also, I don't want to spend four hours in in the lorry. You know, I don't want him to spend four hours in the lorry. So going somewhere down the road would be quite nice. How do I get him to enjoy that experience more? Well, to start off, if one of the, how to get it better at the beginning was when you first put the horses on the trailer is, is, is really critical. So if they've never been loaded up before in their life, that's the, that's the best time when you, when, to get it really. And for me, I would put a horse on the, on the trailer or, or in, and when I'm training or a lorry and I wouldn't go for five minutes down the road. I wouldn't go for 10 minutes down the road, 20 minutes. And you get a lot of people training this technique. Well, I'll just go around the corner and give them a small little drive. Hang on. If I was scared of a roller coaster, you stuck me on there only for five minutes. Do you think I'm going to get back on it? No, mm. but if you stuck me on that roller coaster all day long and I was happy and I stopped sweating and then you let me off, I might, I'll be all right about it because I got over it. But that's what ends up happening when they're green and young. They stick them on and only do 20 minutes. They get them off. They drag, get dragged off the other end. <laughs> they're dripping in sweat and they've had a hell of a time. That's not a good experience. So the best time when, 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 when you're first teaching them to load is to go for a longer distance. Oh, interesting. And, and what about if you've had a horse that already has loaded, um, but now maybe won't load so much? Yeah, well, fitness, again, is really important. It's not this, oh, I just want to go show tomorrow and do it once in a blue moon and just try and fix it that way. No, you've got to train your horse now. You've got a loading issue. You're, not, you're always going to have a sticky loader if you don't get onto it and start going, right, okay, find out why. I mean, I can only tell you, there could be many reasons so it, it could be many reasons even for sticky loading mm-hmm. it might be actually they don't like being in there because they're claustrophobic there could be so many different reasons but if the horse was just sticky because he just didn't want to do a job at the upper end then you can have to build his fitness up at home and you should do anyway you shouldn't be going to shows unfit and just dragging them out of the field and chucking them on once in a blue moon it's not really fair for any horse to do that mm-hmm. um, you should be at some level 
with them. Yeah. I, I would recommend anyone going to a show show and being no. Yeah. Yeah. So should is it something that you should do every day, or is it something that you should do once a week, or can once a month be okay? What loading? Yeah. Oh, until until the job's done, really, until your horse is going well, I would say. You're but not to stop to... them, to stop them being a to stop them being a sticky loader, or because uh, Rob is hard, you know, you yeah, do, yeah, you've you got do to give this every day. Yeah, you've got to give them the best experience, and you've got to. I, I would I would suggest always taking a professional advice on it because, as I say, you, you, it could be so complex. Loading again is a, it's a really complex thing. There could be so many reasons why, and that's why I do a consultation now because. I need to go and see. Somebody will say to me, oh, I've got a problem with this. It's only this. And you get down there and it's, it's not what they've said at all. It's completely different. Okay, take this for example then. A lot of horses kick. What would be, yeah. what would be their reasons? Let's, uh, let's take Blackjack. Blackjack yeah. kicks. Yes, he, okay, granted, he did have one traumatic experience. He was a, an amazing loader. He went to the yeah. vets. Um, he had loads of injections. He had a horrific day. He didn't want to get in the lorry on the way back. Fair enough. He's tired. He's had enough. He just wanted everyone to leave him alone. Sadly, I was using a professional transporter. Okay. Yeah. And they had this genius idea of um, putting long lines behind him and trying to force him in with the long lines. And me being very inexperienced, my first horse, trusting the transporter, um, I did actually say, I'm not really sure that that would be good. He looks quite agitated. She was like, no, 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 it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Then he rears up, all hell breaks loose. And that's it, he's been a horrific loader since. He's been completely freaked out. But over time, I've got him used to it. So we've gone in big lorries. Um, I've used another transporter who's brilliant. Uh, we go with friends, we go with other horses, but we don't go much. So obviously, I don't go enough. And um, and also, he kicks a lot. Okay, what, what's he kicking? Whereabouts is he kicking, exactly? Uh, back feet. Yeah, yeah, but what, what for? Is it a horse going up his bottom, or is it just generally when you go near him, or is it oh, in no, the trade? No, 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 he doesn't kick generally. He's the most placid horse ever, but it's only whenever we're travelling, which I find um, really bizarre, yeah. So I thought it was the boots, so I stopped mm. travelling him with boots, and now he just kicks anyway. Yeah, so what I would tend to do is I'd like to I'd go in the back room. You're not meant to, but I'd normally go in the back with them and say, look, if there's something as complex as this, I say, do you mind? I know you have to be careful because obviously insurances and everything, but I would like to see either on the video, which you've got a video of his facial expressions, because for me, facial expressions and body language is a must. What is he kicking out of? What's he doing with his face? So for me, I'd have to see what he's doing. And then I would make a decision to see how what we can do to try and train him and see what, what other things we can do to get that better. But I'd have to see it. And that's, again, when I do a consultation, that helps me out and say, right, okay, we're going to take this path, this path, this path, or this path. Um, there's many. I, I had a horse in um, in uh, Norway that I had to train. Apparently, it's quite famous. It's a Lipizzaner. And that that horse there, um, I got there and they had many trainers try and get this on the lorry. One person, I think, succeeded getting it on, but it took them off the ramp and galloped off. Mm. They couldn't get it in. Now, that horse, the, the lady wanted to get it um, to Denmark, for example. Um, that, that's where they bought their new place in Denmark. And she wasn't going to leave Norway until that horse went to Denmark. Yeah, of course. Now, they tried sedating it, but they couldn't get the sedation to work. They, they sedated it, and it just wouldn't move. It just go rigid, and they couldn't get it up the ramp then. 
So they failed every time they tried, and they tried new. Apparently, they tried a new horse trainer each year that failed. Now, I tried something very different to that horse, and I found out once I was in there that the horse, his heartbeat was you could dance to the beat of it, and it was um, when once he got it on and he could hear it, and it was nothing to do with loading. The tra- the actual ramp had no problem whatsoever. Once it was in there, it was claustrophobic, and, and it just couldn't it just couldn't cope with it. Mm. So, funny enough, I um. All I did was turn, uh, wait, wait till it got dark and turn the indoor lights off and turn the lights off on, onto the lorry on, put the horse on and loaded up fine and the heartbeat went down. How weird. Why was that then? Well, light at the other end of the tunnel, I guess. <laughs> but that's for example. So um, it, it could see, because inside the lorry it was white, mm-hmm. um, everything else around it was dark, so it couldn't see, it, it just looked, it looked more spacious, I guess. Mm. that's how that's what i was going on so i thought claustrophobic it needs more space how can i make it look more space it's already white turn the lights off in the indoor turn the lights off lights on in the horse box and it went straight up and in heartbeat went down perfectly fine so once that horse was in it obviously it had some issues i mean it's been terribly worked over the years i mean i did get told beforehand that when they tried to get it in the the trailer before they used a boat wrench and wrenched it in with a boat wrench boats in so it's been very very badly worked and I, I just figured out what the problem was and said look this horse has got major claustrophobic problems once that horse is on the on the trailer i would suggest it probably because not every horse you can fix completely um they needed that horse over to uh, denmark and i said the best way you're going to do it i figured it out it's got claustrophobic we'll just it's claustrophobia phobia it's it's it's, it's not the, the full ticket on that and it's never going to be correct unless you can have a very big box to load it up on mm. then you may have a chance but at the moment you, you just smash everything to bits maybe in time in training with me we'll get we'll get him over it but you could really you could dance to his heartbeat uh, uh, once they put the lights on in the in the trailer and he was on everything calmed down they could then if they wanted to get the vet in and do what needs to be done to then transport that horse um I wouldn't recommend traveling that horse really myself because it needs a lot of work um the but you, but at least I found out what More the, the problem was. Yeah, where their where their mind was, it won't go up the ramp. No, mm. that's not a problem at all. They've got another one. I mean, I mean, we've done. I've done many horses um, that people have been blamed for, and actually, it's not their fault. Uh, we, again, we talk about loading. Um, I figured out one horse was um, the reason why he was falling over. He was looking out of the window through the where he could see, and he was just watching the trees go backwards and forwards, back and forwards. <laughs> And in fact, uh, half a ton animal fainting. <laughs> oh my gosh! No fun whatsoever. But you you have to get in the back, and you just you're watching the facial facial um, facial movements, and you're thinking, right, and the body, and what they're doing, where are they looking? And this horse every time was looking out, doing this the tricks, <laughs> looking at side to side, watching them go past. One to two minutes of doing this, he'll be on the floor. But you cover the windows fine do you know rob it makes so much sense i just you don't you you (laughs) i'm stuck for words you look at it from a completely different angle so it's we always look at it it's what's its history what's happened to it why is it traumatized what is there a reason but we never look at the reason as something being as simple as it looking at the trees yeah but that it just got dizzy yeah you you know you, you shut the window up and 
that horse was fine. But he just kept looking. No, you wouldn't find that out unless you got in the back with it. Mm. And no, no, tr- no, tr- no training will set you up for that. I mean, you, you can you can load that horse all day long if you wanted to, but it's always going to faint looking at the, looking out the window. So, what's do you have a main reason as to why horses kick when they're travelling? Um, yeah, it's frust- you know, frustration. You know, it being off balance, depending on how close the partitions are. There's all things I would check. Um, how, is there enough space? Are they sweating up? Again, it's, it's, it, I can't give you an answer to it because that's, there's so many answers and we'll be going Round so many circles. Yeah, yeah, we'll go in circles so many times. And that's the game. I have a consultation and even still, when I have a, when I have a, a client come to me, they're on trial for a week or two. I mean, I don't tell them they're on a trial, <laughs> but they'll be on, they'll be on a trial with me, one for the horse, um, but also for themselves because I'll be watching how they are. Um, and what they do every day and how they go like for example again we go back to the loading it's a big one um especially with green horses what are they doing before they go to the competition or to the show how are they reacting mm. most of them get that in there get that in there get the husband out screaming and shouting at the husband because he hasn't done this right <laughs> everything's in the air because they're late for their show and what is the stress level the horse is going not quite sure what's going on and then again, they go up to the they go up to the trader. They're late already. They're not prepped, and the horse won't go on. So the stress level's up high anyway. When mm. if they had they took their time and packed properly and got up at the right reasonable time, then for that green horse, they'd have made it a lot nicer. Oh, so even before, there's a, another interesting thing I heard before, which I've I've tried to take that view. Is um is anything that you'd normally do before a competition, you do it anyway. So the plaiting the giving them a bath, the extra grooming that you do, anything that's different that you'd have to do, do it for the week running up to it. And okay, it's more time, but then they just then they just think, oh, I'm being groomed again, it's not the end of the world. Oh, I'm being plaited today, it's not the end of the world. Rather yeah. than, at, maybe it's because I suffer from anxiety. I realise that they, you know, I don't want to do anything that, that makes them more anxious. But a very, a very scary thing, Rob, is taking your horse out, loading it, taking it out for the first time. Yes, again, and that's where all the anxiety is, and you've got to have a good, a, a good structure. You can't just go out there and 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 not have a plan. If you just go out there and not have a plan, and you're not used to being in this environment, yeah, you're going to cr- probably create some problems, um, especially with green young horses. With an old, old timer, no, he's been there, done it, and and, and you'll 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 be okay. Some horses, as I say, they can change as they're older, and you, you're with them, and you go to a show, and if you have someone nervous holding them all the time, they will pick up on that. Horses will take off of you, is what I'm trying to say. You know, they will take off of you. They're looking at you. They're, they're always looking at you to read you, talk to you, and, and and work you out. That's that's their form of communication. They're looking at your body language all the time. So it's really important to try and learn some. Are you this good with humans? <laughs> no. <laughs> No, I'm, you know I don't have so much time for them, but uh, no, you, you, you do. It, it comes with it comes with the job. You you do. You're, you're not just working with a horse. You're working with the person as well. Mm. And there's there's so much to it. There's, there is so much. And obviously, you, once you've done that, you've then, especially for the backing, you'll back a horse and you're getting it ready and you're training it. And it's going right. And more, more so for rebackers. If a horse has come in from another yard, I've got a couple in at the moment, and they've been there one, two months or, or so, and they just not, they've not been able to get a bridle on or a saddle on, or I have got that far, and they've got on them, they've, they've been chucked off a few times, and they go, no, this horse is unsuitable to ride. And then they go, right, I'm going to give it one more shot and come over here. 
Um, I prefer they just came here anyway, but if they, <laughs> if, if, uh, if, if they did come over and you're like, right, okay, you, you, you look at the training and you've got to say, okay, most people that are in the game are pretty good at what they do. You've got to take your hat off to a top, the top trainers. They, they, the reason why they're top trainers is because they are good at what they do. Mm. But when they bring a horse over to me and say, look, we, this horse isn't going so well or our client's been to there first and they bring it to me and I'm like, well, you know it's going to be hard. You know it's going to be difficult because they've done anything they can to get this fixed or, or try to do the best they can in, in their groundwork or their ridden to do what, do the best they can for the horse and and their name, of course, before sending it over. So you know when you get a horse in, it's going to be hard if it's come off another trainer. And it's not only going to be hard there, you've got to then start to re, retrain it. And once you're getting on it, and I've built up the bond and trust from me, maybe that there's damage along the line that it it needs more than one person to ride it especially if it's a rebreak so i'll have to ride it and then i have to try sort of um mummy somebody else onto it as such and try and train them not to do anything silly because mm. <laughs> they'll get on them like i had one not, um uh, a week ago that had had some issues and um and i had to get the, the rider on and uh, you'll if it was a beautiful uh, show of what had happened in its past to how i rode it and then getting someone new on it his tail was going 100 mile an hour when i rode it walk trot canter fine lovely wow you, you take it out hacking on the road and i'll be fine you wouldn't even know i got the next rider on tower's a bit wishy and it looks a bit nervous and you think well woo. you know it, it shouldn't be like that but it always remembers what what happened to it and it'll take a little while to get that out of its system so it's keeping people safe as much as possible um, and when you unclip that clip and you're just hoping that they're not going to do anything silly or <laughs> or do something they, they shouldn't. Luckily, ladies don't do anything they shouldn't do. And they mm. normally take they, they normally take it quite, um, quite steady. But when you get the when you get a lad on it, they think, really, we're going to go and we're going to go a bit faster or, or whatever. So you have to be careful with the lads. You have to clip them up and just say, really, put it into them. This horse had some issues just chill out and and try and work on them yeah gosh rob there's only one of you sadly uh well there is some guys out there that 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 are doing a good job um and and, and showing off some good stuff you know there is a couple of other people uh, we are limited in england of of, yeah. of, uh, of the trainers but there is a couple out there uh that that, that might be slightly different to my work uh, they, they they may go what I find over here, there's a lot of YouTube trained um, mm. trainers, which, which is annoying, very annoying. And um, a lot of people, you have to be really careful in this job that when you do teach someone, um, that when you when you show them to load their horse or show them how to do something, that they don't go right. Okay, start up a business next door mm. trying to do the same thing. That's 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 quite difficult. So I'm solo. I, I go on my own. I try to tell people, don't listen. If they're saying they're using my techniques, they use the, the technique that I try to show them on their individual horse at that time. That might change. You know, it, it, each horse is different. And we had in England, just getting onto our breeding, we've got so many different breeds mm. here in England. And that's why I said my my training is changing all the time. Like in in uh, Australia and New Zealand, when I'm working horses, their breeds. And not like ours over here. We have we're a small island. 
with many different breeds. Cobs, um, we have a lot of them. Um, Walmarts, <laughs> thoroughbreds. You can, I'll go out and I'll, I'll, I'll go out and probably see five different breeds, six different breeds in a day that not one of them was the same. Yeah, I know. And when I was working in New Zealand, five of them, four or five of them, exactly the same. You may get the one different one. Mm-hmm. So you, you, each horse that I train now, I look at them and think, right, okay, that might, that might need a little bit of this. That might need a little bit of that. And um, it's more so than it would be over there when I was working. So what we really need, though, Rob, is we need a load of mini-me's that you actually train <laughs> people and they're actually trained by Rob Lees because you are miles away from many of us. So up in, up north, you know, they're yeah. very lucky because you have they have you on their doorstep. But, but further, you know, south of Birmingham... <laughs> How 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 far north do you think I am? <laughs> Where are you then? Um, not far from Northampton, Milton Keynes. Yes, that's miles away. That <laughs> might as well be in the back end of nowhere for um, people in Cornwall. I I, <laughs> I, I I cover Northampton, Milton Keynes, Bedford, uh, Peterborough, Cambridge, um, even Hertfordshire. So mm. you know, sort of Hitchin, Bulldog, all those areas. I I, I go within sort of um, from Kim Bolton about. 40 50 mile radius but I, anything more than that i go for half day or a day and i i i, I was a, i was in scotland last year uh norway last year i was filming over in spain game of thrones last year oh, wow. so i travel i do travel a lot um i'm all over the place well i think you should do a little tour i think there should be a rob Lease tour where I, you start at the south <laughs> and go I from see. land's end to Gronos, Gronos, where is it what is it land's end john O'Groats? yeah go all the way around go all the way around england yeah i i like follow the sea round or or, or follow the beaches <laughs> no um funny you say that i was gonna this year start um making and doc, small documentary really of whereabouts I'm going and film it all, but and uh, bits and pieces that you do, and that's going to start soon. I bought the equipment to be able to do small little and um, stick them all together towards the end, doing a little film of what you what what part of you do, and I'll have that on YouTube and and Facebook as well. Oh well, before you before you clip it all together, you should send us the sections, and as you're going on your journey, we can put them out on Horse Hour. Yeah, well, yeah, you could do that. Could, that'd be, that'd be good fun. <laughs> and then yeah, you can like watch it. the whole thing on your YouTube account when you get to the end of the year. I'd love to yeah, follow your journey because you get so many different scenarios. And, and we're like sponges, Rob. We, we want to learn. I mean, I would, oh my goodness, if I was anywhere near Milton Keynes, I would be at your place this weekend going, I, I want to see, I want to learn. Because ultimately, I think most of us want... And I, and I say this a lot, they want not only the best for our horses, we know that, um, but we want to learn so that we can make everything easier for them. Yes. Now, I might not have a behavior issue. I might not have a difficult horse, but I know that... Mo- okay, so I want you to come to my yard this weekend because I'm loading Blackjack and I want to make sure that it's safe for him and I want to make sure that moving forward, I don't have any problems. So I need about 10 of you to spread you all across the country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, well, I don't think I want 10 of me. <laughs> well, can only just about handle one of me? <laughs> yeah. But is there ways that we can get in touch if maybe we're not that close to you? Um, yeah, I, I, I do clinics and demonstrations, and you can send horses here up to me as well. So we, we have a yard here at Tilbrook um, in Kimbolton. So it's, it's, it's between um, Hunt, well, it's near Huntingdon, actually. Mm. And, yeah, 
nice we, part we, of the world we, yeah we take horses we take horses in here and then I travel up and down different places within a, within an hour really 40 minutes to an hour and then all over the all over the country we I'll, I'll do clinics and demonstrations I go up to Wales a lot um, South Wales and do clinics there great when's your next demo my next demo is well we're sitting down actually and we've got to discuss that what's happened is there's so much work so much work has been coming in at the moment that we it's it's getting it's getting to the point where I need to sit down with them and say well I need a demonstration but what day can we put it on oh. so it's getting like that it's like what where where can we put put a demonstration on which is which is good really it's it's nice that people enjoy the work that you do and um and that are wanting to learn on their horses as i say i don't teach people to go out and teach other people because i've had a horse background and i've lived with so many with so many of these horses it's as i say my family had 50 and then they had 62 i believe at one point and i grew up with them working with them i I, I was born uh near in chesant and we had a yard down there at goffs oak which I think we had a small holding there, but we, we used to rent fields as well. We had 12 acres, and we have, I think we rented another 24 acres elsewhere in Ware. And I don't remember a day where there wasn't horses. Um, when, when I couldn't ride, my dad was uh, my dad and mum was driving, and I was sat as a child um, on the back of a car. So <laughs> and there was, horses has, has been a, a natural progression, really, for me. It's just even when I go on holiday, it seems to be a horse gets in the way. I went, to, <laughs> I went to America and um, uh, went to Lake Tauha. Is it Lake Tauha? Yeah, over in the states. Um, yeah, Lake. Ta- I think it's Lake Tauha. I went to skiing, and um, I got a I got a phone call up on the up on the mountain by my mum and said, "There's some people down the bottom in California. Would you go and uh, do some lessons with them down there?" I said, no, I'm on a holiday. <laughs> I was pleased because one of them at the time was a polo horse that really needed some looking at. I did it all for free because you're not meant to, you know, you don't work out there. So I just went, went down there and went, okay, I'll do that. But I needed to pick up some saddles at the time. I didn't know where to pick these Western saddles up. And they said, if you look at that horse for me, we'll take you around and pick up these saddles. Oh, so brilliant. I went and looked at the horse and I said, right, you need to do this, this, this and this. And they gave me a call and said, brilliant was on it within a week and the issues that it had are all gone and and now we're out playing polo with it so uh, fantastic really but i got to every time i go on holiday there's something that goes on so i try (laughs) i try and find an island now where (laughs) where you can actually have some peace and quiet but do you do you just ride western then do you ride english too i don't ride western at all really it's what uh, did you want the western saddles for then um I, I like them when I'm backing horses. Um, I start off with an English saddle and maybe maybe a roller, depending on which horse is, what, what horse I'm using. But I like to put the Western saddle on just before I get on them because it's got two cinches, so it's got two girths. That's where my leg might go backwards onto onto the girth there. Now the Western saddle it weighs about two and a half three stone. So for me, putting something on that's heavy that feels like it's got a bit of weight to it rather than a half stone English saddle, which is no good to me at all. Also, if I put the Western saddle, I can, I can use the, the saddle in so many different ways. That it feels like you're getting on and you can rock and shake the saddle so much better. Um, also, when you get on them, it, the, the weight is 
um, uh, is all over the back. You know, it's not just in one place. And I just really like the way the saddle sits on the horses just to get on them for the first time. Mm. Once that's, um, but don't get don't get me wrong. When I travel abroad, I can't take Western saddles, so I back them in English saddles. I I don't just rely on my gear. But if if I um if I have to, then uh, if if you ask me a personal choice, then I would choose the Western saddle to back horses. That's really that. interesting because the Western saddles are really heavy. So perfect, yeah, perfect. And that's so, good. As I wasn't sure if it would almost hurt the horse because they're young, they're not fully developed, uh, having such a heavy thing on their back. No, because I put it on first. I take it off when I go riding. But I put it on first and use it because it's got two inches, a horn that you can move to the side, so you can use it within your groundwork. Secondly, it's had a bit of weight on their back first. So this is where people go wrong, is they stick an English saddle on, which is, don't get me wrong, there's loads of people backing just in English saddles, I do myself. But um, if you put the uh, English saddle on and get on, and they haven't had no movement in the saddle, it's only half a stone, it doesn't weigh nothing. Then you go and stick um, eight, nine, whatever stone, ten stone, person on Mm. you're gonna have fireworks because suddenly it's got weight on their back (laughs) never had weight on their back so why don't you put some weight on their back before so they get to feel what it feels like and the western saddle's perfect because it's not going to be like a load of sandbags moving left and right and messing up the muscles it's going to sit it's perfectly made to sit on a horse's back already so it's fitted so yeah go put some weight on the horse's back first so it gets used to it and it can also train walk trot canter with some with some weight on its back rather than you getting on it's never had any weight on the back and then boom you're off so yeah uh, for me this is a better way of working and i always come back to the english saddle because i don't really like riding the western saddles uh, as much uh, you don't really why is that then i prefer i I prefer an english dressage saddle personally because you can love that yeah go on yeah because after you've um after you've backed them you um you you then start to do other things with them like you've got walk trot canter transitions and you start their schooling and the, the rest of their life so for me with an english uh, english saddle and um the, uh, an english dressage saddle or just a dressage saddle i find it a lot nicer to be in it all day long really than a western saddle i know other people would argue that but to train them for english riders then you you have to go where where everyone else is See, I'd love to have a Western saddle with English stirrups and maybe not ride so long, maybe ride just a little shorter because I love the, the comfort of the Western saddle. I love, I love my dressage. I mean, I, I am live in my dressage saddle. Um, yeah, funny you say that. That's, <laughs> my Western saddle has English stirrups on it. <laughs> yeah, so I've t- I don't like the clumsiness and mm. the, of the side of having the Western saddle. And I don't ride in spurs, so um, I don't want all that leather and everything around me. So I take them off and just put some English uh, English stirrups on. As I say, I don't ride in spurs anyway. So uh, for me, I, I find that the Western saddle, if you have big, heavy, uh, the heavy stirrups, it's just, you have to get a really expensive saddle for them to, to be really nice in the stirrups because they, even a thousand, I bought a thousand pound uh, secondhand Western saddle and it's worth quite a lot of money. And those stirrups on that are horrendous. So you really need to know where you're about to buy. And being English, if you're buying a Western saddle, you've got to go to America. Mm. And you've got to be able to think, right, I'm going to put my hand in a pocket and spend a lot of money on the Western saddle. Because if you think about it, you see a load on eBay for like 120 quid, 150 quid. Well, you never even, if you think about it, think of how much it weighs. As you said, two and a half, three stone. Now, can you buy the leather 
to even make that saddle? Mm. The answer is no. So you're not going to get a decent saddle for that price. You need to be in the thousands to get a decent saddle for a Western saddle. But going, going on, your, on your leather section and the stirrups, my thinking was, rightly or wrongly, I don't know, was that the horse isn't, I'm not feeling the horse. I'm not getting my legs around the horse. I love the comfort of the Western saddle. I like being held in, basically, yeah. and having something to grab hold of if I need to. Um, yeah. and, and although a dressage saddle holds me in quite nicely and my position's better, ultimately, um, I just felt much more at ease in a western but still wanted to feel the horse with my legs it all depends on what you're doing really what discipline you're doing as well you've mm. got to really think right what discipline am i doing for me i'm a trainer that backs horses does remedial problem solving um uh, work with horses and some form of my own style of teaching um now i i need loads of different saddles <laughs> <laughs> So I've got many different types. I've got English um, English saddles from uh, dressage, GPs, and jumping mm-hmm. to Western, and I, I've got two Portuguese saddles. I, I like my Portuguese saddles too. Um, they're they're quite fun. I've got a Spanish horse myself, so I, I I haven't got a Spanish saddle, but I've got a Portuguese saddle. Oh, nice! And I I, uh, I prefer the look of them. Um, you can have my medieval bridle i have a medieval bridle that stayed in the cupboard for like three years <laughs> yeah i mean that that's my kind of i uh, being a lad as well i prefer to um have something that looks a little bit different <laughs> you're not a wanna... showman surely no. Rob. no way no <laughs> no i don't want to go around in um i want to i want to go around looking like i'm in a film i guess <laughs> <laughs> Well, listen, you know, I'm a guest, I, I can speak to you for hours and hours and hours, um, yep. but sadly, we haven't got three weeks. So can we <laughs> follow you? We can follow you on Facebook where we can see all your videos. Yeah, Facebook. Uh, you've got YouTube as well. That's, there's a few just gone up recently, some new ones that have gone up. Um, Are you on I, Twitter? I, I, I am. I'm, I kind of. I'm not, I am on Twitter, but I'm not really using it at the moment. You I can't, need I don't to get on it. it. You just need... I don't, I don't, I don't understand it to be honest with you I've gone on this is my third attempt of Twitter and I just look at it and think <laughs> don't really get, it's, 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 it's very very difficult um, maybe someone sat down and, and showed me how to use it I'll, I'll be better with it but uh, um, I just about get Facebook I'm an outdoor person I'm outside with horses all the time so Facebook is, is about as much as I can do so how can we follow you on Facebook um, I've got a page mm-hmm. uh, it's, the page is at the moment Robert Lee's Horses um, and then I've got my Facebook, my personal, well, it's not personal, it's a work one as well. It's uh, Rob Lee's Horses. So it's the same. Basically. So you've got two. And, uh, and what's your website address? It's www.roblease.com. And what is your Twitter handle? Um, I wouldn't be able to tell you. I'm going to find uh, out because I think we should all bombard you on Twitter and start following you because then you can get involved in Horse Hour on a Monday night. I'll see if I'm on Twitter as well. Maybe you I am. Better be uh, Rob Lee's. I am on it, but I don't know which one. Of them. There's, 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 there might be two coming up. So one of them I don't use at all. Somebody made it for me, and then there's one that I think I've got. Rob Lee's Jones. Rob Lee's Pro Horsemanship. No, not that one. That's an old one. That's somebody. Somebody made me that, and I have. I don't use that at all. RL Horsemanship One. That working might be... with foals up to ridden, working on film sets with horses. That might be it. Okay. So on Twitter, you are at RL Horsemanship One. You got 17 followers, Rob. Right. We need to get that up, please. Follow you on Twitter. Uh, 
<laughs> you know how I, I don't. I don't I, yeah, I, I told you I don't um, don't really use it. It's just it's very complicated. But I will start looking into it. It's, there's so many social social media sites at the moment that uh, you'd be on there all day uh-huh. if you. Uh, and that's the problem. Luckily, now I have people that are helping me out with this, so okay. I should be able to get onto it. Well, you can get involved on Horse Hour on Twitter on a Monday night. It's between 8 and 9, and all you do is use the hashtag Horse Hour, and then you can yep. see other people's conversations, see what everyone's talking about, and get involved. And, and I think, oh my gosh, you'd be hounded, I'm sure. People would have so many questions for you. Um, but, yeah, no, join us on Twitter. It would be lovely. Yes, I will do. I'll, I will take another look into it and see if see if I can get somebody to explain the Twitter sphere for me. <laughs> um, now we've we've literally talked for ages, but it's great. <laughs> I'm sorry for taking up so much of your time, but it really has been fascinating. That's fine. That's uh, great. Um, this evening has been a it's been brilliant. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. You can catch up with all previous episodes of the Horse Hour podcast on our website. Just head to horsehour.co.uk. And as I'm sure you know already, we've got our education hub there and lots of videos too. This weekend, we're heading to the National Dressage Championships over at Hartbury College to see all the top riders compete. And it's going over four days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. And I'll be there doing some interviews and taking some photos for you so that even if you can't be there you can still stay up to date just follow us on twitter at horse hour and everything will be on our website too if you're heading to the dressage championships then drop me a message and it would be lovely to see you and if you're riding then we can take some photos and talk about your experience and whatever you're doing with your horse this week i hope you really enjoy it and don't forget to tag us in your photos at horse hour i'm at amy stevenson one on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Hope you have a good week with your horse and I'll speak to you soon. You've been listening to Horse Hour. Join the community on Twitter, Mondays, 8pm UK time, 3pm Eastern by using the hashtag Horse Hour. Follow Amy at AmyStevenson1 and subscribe to us on Acast, iTunes, Stitcher and Player FM. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.